0: In this 30-minute podcast, we meet a young South African family on board their boat, Tiger. Mum and Dad, Ronelle and Neil, and their sons, Emil and Pete, are halfway through a circumnavigation, but have been held up due to their boat being dismasted. We'll hear the parents' account of homeschooling whilst at sea, and the boys tell us about their favourite countries. And, what was it really like when that mast fell down? This interview was recorded on the 19th of October, 2009, In Marmaris, Yacht Marina, Turkey. Okay, here we are on Mike Pontoon with our first official Follow the Boat podcast. Approaching a tiger now. Ahoy there, tiger! Permission to come aboard? Right, climbing down the companionway and into down below, as we call it. (laughs) <laughs> Hello, how are you? Good. <laughs> okay, Run well Ranelle's in the galley. It's just finishing up this wonderful coffee. Okay, introduce yourselves. Name's Neil Holtzhausen, my wife's Ranelle
1: Holtzhausen of course, and two boys, Emil and Peter. Pete's five, Emil's seven, are from South Africa. And we lived in the U.S. for 13 years, and had Rennell's an occupational therapist, and I, I have a uh, had a construction company building mostly homes and a bit of commercial. Then um, we had always had long-term plans to go cruising, could never get to them, and then the recession came, closed the construction company down, and went cruising. We moved onto the boat in in June of 2006, and November we left of
0: 2006. So the boys were what? Two And two and four? That's they right,
1: they, yeah. were pr- they were pretty young. Yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete, Pete hadn't turned two yet when we moved on to the boat, but when we left the US, he had, he had just turned two, and Emil was four. We started uh, uh, in the northeast of the US. We sailed from, from Maine, and then we went down to Bermuda, then to the uh, Windward Islands in the Caribbean, and worked our way through the Caribbean to Florida, and then Cuba, Mexico, Honduras, a little bit to Colombia beautiful city called Cartagena then we worked back to the uh, through the Panama Canal in 2007 I think went up to Costa Rica and then started crossing the Pacific from Costa Rica and visited Cocos Islands Galapagos um, and through the Pacific to French Polynesia went through all the society islands that uh, the term then up to American Samoa Fiji and our our favorite stop so far was an island group called Vanuatu to Australia Indonesia, Singapore, Malaysia, Maldives, Oman, Yemen, and then the Red Sea, Egypt, and then we came to the Suez Canal this year, um, to Israel, and then
0: then Turkey. So So I I lost count um, after America. Do you know how many uh, countries that that, that is?
1: I I think we've been to uh, 30. If you count all, all the little islands, independent islands. Um, I think around about 30 countries. So
0: that, That's 30 countries in three years. Yeah, right. That's, uh, and, and do you know how many uh, nautical miles you've clocked up? So we, we must have done about 20,000 so far. Eh? We're talking about uh, living aboard full-time now on a boat, 30 countries in, in three years. It can't all be a bed of roses.
1: People
2: often think you just sit and have cocktails all day long. It's not that. Um, things often break on the boat. There's constant boat maintenance and repairs. And then there's the frustrations of the logistics of things. So it's easy to do if you live in normal society, like going to the bank or doing online banking. When you're traveling, it's a bit more difficult. Often you have to call the bank you have to find a pay phone that works, you have to use an expensive calling card, or if you use Skype, you can't get a line, or you speak to the bank, and then you get disconnected. Um, if you visit countries like Yemen, you draw money, and for security reasons, your card gets blocked, and then you need to find a phone to call the bank to let them know you're actually in Yemen, and you have been spending money there. No one is trying to uh, steal your money or use it for terrorism or something. Uh, so some of those things just take a lot, a long time, um, and it can be very frustrating just to do the basic everyday things that should take a few, few minutes out of your day. But it's definitely still worth it. We've really, really enjoyed what we've experienced in the last three years. And um, I wouldn't change that just because the, the trivial everyday life um, problems, they, it's, it's not too big to overcome.
0: And so what happens uh, after the, the kids get schooled? They they graduate when they're 18, 21, they go off, they earn big bucks. And what happens next for, for mum and dad? Is sailing something that you will come back to?
2: I think we'll come back to before the kids are out of high school. I mean, we're already thinking of other trips that we would like to do. We're thinking maybe circumnavigating South America. And I don't think we'll do it on this boat maybe we'll need to make sure the boat is strong enough and the kids will be older then so there need to be enough space for us as a family um, but that's definitely not the end of the sailing life after this trip
0: Did you have much sailing experience before you set off?
2: We bought a smaller boat in about 2000 I didn't have any sailing experience before then and I learned to sail on that boat um, we did, I did a little bit of racing around the boy racing to learn a bit more, Neil did more
0: racing, and he taught me how to sail. So now
1: you've been sailing for a while then? Yeah, and I, nearly, I, I grew up inland in South Africa, never sailed at all as a child. And then when I was 20, I climbed on a sailboat in Cape Town and sailed from Cape Town to Brazil to the Caribbean and then just jumped on boats and sailed to the Med and then jumped on another boat and sailed back to, to the US. And then that's where I started to... Well, that's where I learned how to sail and developed the dream of, of taking... When I have a family to take him cruising one day.
0: So, so you, you always had that idea in mind?
1: Actually, from a child. Eh? From, a, from a child, I had this this, 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 this idea that I wanted to sail around the world. I got it from, um, like like a lot of people, got it from the movie Dove and the book Dove. It's, it's about a 16-year-old who, who was that time the youngest to ever sail around the world single-handed. I forget his name. But the book it was called The Dove, and that was the name of his boat. And then he, there was a movie about it as well. And so that,
0: that all sort of inspired me from a child. So, Renel, how did you feel about uh, your husband turning around? and Was was it his idea, ultimately? or
2: he, he liked the idea of sailing around the world, and I liked the idea of travelling a lot. So when we met, we discussed it, and we were compatible in that sense. The idea appealed to both of us. So for years, we've been saving and planning, and there's never a perfect time to do it. It's like if you plan to have kids and wait for the perfect time, you, you'll never have kids. So when the recession came, we just decided this is a good idea, back up and leave now, and um, it worked out well.
0: And how did you feel about the fact that you had two young children, putting them in potentially dangerous situations? I mean, how did you approach that?
2: They've been sailing with us ever since they were three weeks old, both of them. So for day sailing, they were fine. I knew we could manage that. I guess you just live once, and we enjoy doing extraordinary things it, it was important to us and it was not f- too difficult for us to manage the kids it's really when they're really small it's easier to take them than when they're teenagers and they have their own life when they five years old do their life or four years old they do whatever the parents expose them to and um
0: yeah because we, we know a lot of people in the marina who have children and it seems that the cut-off age seems to be sort of 11 12 13 years old The child's education becomes more important. I mean, what's going to happen when these boys hit that age, or will you stop sailing before then?
2: Uh, We were planning to stop sailing when they're maybe eight years old, eight and six, and put them in a regular school. Um, We do homeschooling at the moment, so they're not going to be behind as far as the education is concerned, but um, I think it's good before or around when they're teenagers to have the peer interaction Mm. um, that they miss out.
0: So tell tell me about the homeschooling then. How how does that work?
2: Uh, We follow a school program called CalVid. There's a physical school in um, America. They have a big homeschooling program. And we order the curriculum online. Uh, We receive it in boxes. Uh, We spend two hours a day around about um, on homeschooling. There's different um, subjects, math, reading, writing, um, science, um, social studies. If you follow the curriculum, there's a good um, line out will uh, set out on how to teach the kid because neither of us are teachers. Mm. It's a big commitment, but it does work well. It's totally worth it for people who want to live the lifestyle we live
0: in. Mm. So, Emil, mm? so you've been doing homeschooling then, yeah? Oh, he's he's got a mouthful of yes. simit, which is a Turkish uh, bread, toasted bread. Okay. So your mum's just been telling us about your uh, your education and your yes. ho- your homeschooling. So, what are your favourite subjects?
3: Math and science. Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't like the reading, the spelling.
0: But you were just talking Spanish to me, so you're you're learning you're learning another language already. Yes. Yeah. Do you well, like-
3: that's because we go to the country so fast, you know, I just pick it up.
0: Ah, oh, right. So you're not actually taught formally. Then you just you just hang out in the country and. You just pick up whatever language they're speaking. Yeah.
3: Some people just teach me the words. Like, you know, you taught me how to count to five in Turkish.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And what about your shackle buddies? Uh, I should explain that uh, I've been buying shackle buddies off the mill, so Mm -hmm. tell me about the shackle buddies. Well,
3: first how I got it, my mom taught me when I was maybe like uh, four or something. and
0: can you tell us what a shackle buddy is
3: yes okay it's for pin on a shackle the little ring so you can uh, put it on a snap shackle so it's the thing to pull so you can um, open the the part the only part that opens
0: so, and it's it's made out of string isn't it that you yes. that you knot yeah that you knot together
3: it, it's amazing that we just make out of string, you know. Rope mm. is such amazing stuff. How you can make knots? You can make sails out of rope.
0: Absolutely, It counts as rope. Yeah.
3: Well, I watched the movie in the Cape Horn, and um, some people they they said all these sails, all these sails, handmade. You know, you can't make you can't make fiberglass just with your hands. You need special. Tools and machines to make a well, like sort of things to make the sail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so you can't just make sails with with rope. But all you need to make a boat is um rope and wood. Rope and wood. Yeah.
0: And that's how they've been doing it for hundreds of years, haven't they?
3: And some nails, maybe. Okay. That's all.
1: We we we're, we're talking about the age of the kids. What's the best age, to for them to to move off the boat? I mean that's that, that's just our personal feeling. But we have met kids. Um, we met a fantastic family in Colombia, and they, their kids were sixteen and fourteen, and they'd lived on boats all their lives mm. and been educated, and they were they were some of the nicest kids we'd ever met. Mm. You know, and so it's just a personal thing. Um, but for us, because we both had such a a normal life. We sort of think it would be nice if the kids can, can go to school and play sport and that. But mm. And I suppose it varies from kid to kid as well. Eh? I mean, some kids might, might not fit into a school system. And We've actually met a cruising family who were getting off the boat and they were going back to the U.S. and they were going to homeschool their kids. They didn't want the kids to go back into the school system. <laughs> <laughs> so it's from, it varies from kid to kid, Yeah, the family family.
0: He's a young man now, aren't you, Peter? How old are you, Pete?
3: I'm um, five.
0: You're five. Yeah. Okay. And who's this you're holding?
3: I'm um, Thomas.
0: Ah, Thomas. He look. He looks. He looks familiar. He looks a bit like um, Pinocchio, doesn't he?
3: Yeah.
0: Where did you get him?
3: Um, some a um, nice guy.
0: He gave it to you, did he?
3: Yeah.
0: Was it a present? Ah, uh, I can hear. I can hear me whispering in your ear that it was Tony. So this is another cruising friend isn't it yeah. i think i met tony so listen this is just one of many many toys you've got here i see almost half of this boat which is how long uh
1: 43 feet or 30.7 okay,
0: yeah 13 meters so this boat's 13 meters and i would say almost 10 meters of it is toys <laughs> toys now i'm i'm being a bit uh, unfair here i'd say uh, you've got some school books i can see school books on here pete can you just tell me about what you've got here what do you like playing with
3: um like the playmobiles and
0: okay yeah i love these playmobiles they're great aren't they
3: yeah and
0: lego i see you got lego up there
3: yeah and i like some schoolwork
0: okay what do you what what kind of schoolwork do you like
3: reading math yeah science
1: well, what we found as well, um, the, the curriculum, the, the school curriculum is very extensive. Uh, it's, it's just amazing how much schoolwork the kids have to get through. And um, being an American program, we, we don't do too much of the American history and stuff like that, but we find that we, we, when we go to a country, we, we, we supplement that part with mm-hmm. the history of the country. Like if we went to uh, Vietnam... We would we what we did there is we 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 went through the whole American Vietnam War and we'd go to the museums and we and we feel that supplements the um, the the part of the schoolwork mm. that 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 we don't follow in the curriculum but we like to follow the standard, the basics, the science, the math, the reading, the spelling and writing, and then we supplement other stuff like we where we go to the pyramids in Egypt, and we'd do there would be a history lesson there and angle what in Cambodia, or we we'd being a toll, and we describe them how the tolls formed and stuff like
0: mm-hmm. that. what else does this kind of lifestyle uh, offer your children
2: I think on a, on a socialization point um, they't they interact with kids as much as they can, and often there are other boats with kids so they interact with them, but most of the people that we meet are adults, and they are not shy at all they 're pretty confident, and they speak to adults very easily because they around adults so often. As far as just being exposed to different cultures, we had a lot of opportunity to teach them. Like Neil said, we went to Angkor Wat in, in Cambodia. We went to the War Remnant Memorial Museum in Vietnam. We went to the crocodile farm in um, Australia. We went to active volcanoes in Guatemala and um, Vanuatu. and the kids have learned lots of different, or been exposed to lots of different languages and how different people live. So, And the other thing also, different religions in different parts of the world, it makes them more sensitive to um, everyone not being the same
1: mm-hmm. and
2: um, more tolerant to different societies, hopefully.
1: One thing that, that that I think is they get that no other kid living in a, in a town gets, or how a regular life gets, is everything they experience is real. The The, the rough weather or the... You know, snorkeling in in the Tomatoes with 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 sharks or something. You know, everything is everything experience is is, is, is absolutely real. Uh, and I, compared to watching seeing it on TV or playing a computer game, we would we, we went to in Guatemala. We took horses up to the top of volcano, and they would see the real lava coming out.
0: Of mm. Emil, what's your uh, favorite place you've been to so far?
3: Very very hard question. Wait. Is, um, is it worth sailing or in my entire life?
0: Well, it sounds like sailing pretty much is your entire okay. life. So, uh, yeah, you just just tell um, me what your favourite country is.
3: i got to think about it.
0: It's a difficult question, isn't it?
3: Am I allowed to choose three?
0: Yeah, I'll let you have three.
3: Fine. Singapore, Israel and Australia.
0: Which one was the first one? Singapore. Singapore, yeah? What do you like about Singapore?
3: And before we left, we had an amazing dinner. I enjoyed the Museum of Science and um, the Cultural Museum. Mm-hmm. It's about all sorts of cultures in Singapore, I think.
0: Okay. And, and your next country? Uh, did you say Australia? Israel. Uh, Israel? What did you like about Israel?
3: It was just really nice people, and um, we went to the Dead Sea where this, it's so powerful. What? Well, I mean, the salt. Is so powerful. You know, you could just be freezing and you could still float. Cool. But it was amazing the Dead Sea.
0: So we got Singapore, we got Israel, and you had another country, didn't you? Yes. And what's that?
3: That was Australia.
0: Mm -hmm. Mhm. What is it you like about Australia?
3: I my favorite thing over there was going to the zoo thing like with the saltwater crocodiles, just Australian animals.
0: Hm. There's a lot of dangerous animals in Australia, aren't there?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the saltwater crocodiles. We also um, saw the wallabies.
0: Cool. Pete, do you have any favourite places you've been to so far? Um, is it allowed if I choose four? Oh, he's got one more favourite place than his brother. Go on then, you tell me. What are your four favourite countries?
3: Um, a place, the dead, um, Malaysia. Malaysia. And, and some of my brothers.
0: Okay, so you like Singapore the
3: same place? And Singapore, and Australia, and, um, Egypt.
0: Egypt. What do you like about Egypt?
3: Um, the pyramids.
0: hmm At the moment, this boat is missing something isn't it Pete what's missing from this boat
3: hmm. it's a
0: very big thing isn't it the mast the mast yeah because uh, these guys lost their mast in the sea we
1: were we were leaving Fetia Bay in, in Turkey and we decided to to start heading towards Greece and um, we left I think it was probably mid-afternoon and the wind picked up in the bay which is a very Bay is a fairly, fairly large bay I'm not sure of the size, but the way the, the wind picked up to about 30 knots, which it wasn't too bad, because it was a bay, the waves weren't big. By the time we got out of the bay into the mid, the, the waves were were of a decent size. I, I, I'm not sure how large, but but nothing extravagant. And the wind had come down, but we were bashing into the waves as usual in the Mediterranean. We seemed to be sailing into the wind, and the wind had come down. We should have we should have probably dropped our sails in because there wasn't enough wind to to keep the sails full, but the sail would back and then it'd full and this this forms a pumping action on the mast and the mast pumped and uh, there's a there's a thick wire that holds the mast up from the back, it's called the backstay, runs from the top of the mast to the to the back of the boat, and a fitting that connects that wire to the to the chain plate on the back of the boat broke and um, within a second the mast broke. Just be about a third of the way up.
2: We often did rigging checks, we often went up the mast checked all the fittings. That was one fitting that we neglected to check. It. We had an hydraulic backstay. I guess neither of us ever thought to check that that fitting was as sound as it should have been. The weather, like Neil said, it wasn't bad. I mean, we've been in much worse weather, and um, everything happened within a split second. We just heard a loud noise. We were sitting, getting ready to have dinner, and the next thing, loud noise, and the mast broke. Um, yeah, it was a very big surprise.
0: Hey, Pete. Your mum just mentioned a loud noise. Did you hear this loud noise?
2: Um, yes.
0: And what did it sound like?
3: Like, like a big thing falling.
0: Yeah. Emil, you, do you hear it as well?
3: Yeah, sound like.
0: Wow. Something like that. And, 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 and what happened next then? So, so the mast fell down. Where, where did the mast? Did it fall in the water or did it fall on the boat?
3: Well, it sort of like fell half on the boat in, in the water.
0: No, so obviously there's, there's a lot of cables that are tied to this mast. So now we're in a situation where you're in some fairly rough weather, I, I guess, and the boat's still bouncing up and down in the waves, but now you've got this great big uh, aluminium stick thing Trailing in the water with all the cables. So, what happened? What did you do then?
1: Uh, the first thing we did is um, we just sent the kids below, and Pete, pro- Pete promptly went to sleep.
3: <laughs> he did. Yeah. Didn't?
0: Uh, okay. No, no.
3: You did. <laughs> did. Did.
0: <laughs> so, so
1: it was. It was. Um, it was about five in the afternoon, um, and we were two miles offshore. Uh, we can't start the engine because, we've got, as you said, there's, there's, there's ropes and there's wires and there's half the mast lying in the water. So our immediate concern was was, was to get rid of all the all this, the the mast off the boat and all the wires and all the cables. So because
0: C- you've got the, you've got the propeller underneath and Correct, obviously yeah, yeah something could wrap around the pro- prop if you were to start the engine. Yeah. Correct.
1: Yeah, so, our, so our first concern was before dark was to try get everything off the boat. So we. And unfortunately, when a mast breaks, it doesn't it doesn't lie neatly along the side of the boat, and you can just clip it loose. But it was like Emile said, it was half in the water, and it was still half attached. So we we cut all the cables we could get off, all the lines, and, and we just couldn't get the mast off there. And it, it was still attached to the, the the broken piece was still attached to the to, to the part that was attached to the boat. So we couldn't we couldn't cut that, and so we were a bit uh, we didn't know what to do. And um, but eventually the the violent movement of the boat because the, the the waves were were pretty big and if you don't have a mast your boat just rocks a lot, and that started to to break the mast loose. Mm-hmm. And um, it was about five hours, um, about eleven or twelve that night, we finally the mast slid slowly down. The broken piece slid slowly down, and we hooked on things. We had to cut more th- more stuff to 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 release the mast, and then. And then it's gone. The sail and the mast was gone, and then we could start the engine.
0: Hmm. And Rinaldo, you know, this is obviously a situation where um, it's not a nice situation you want your children to be in. You must have been worried and uh, and a little bit scared, maybe. But uh, ultimately, I guess you know you've got two kids down below. You can't afford to be seen to to panic. You basically got to hold it together, I guess. I mean, how? What was your mindset? What were you thinking at the time when this happened?
2: I think when when this happened and. During other um, situations where we had bad weather, the the most important thing is for the captain and the, the the family, the adults, to stay calm. If you are calm, even if you're in a horrible situation, the kids can sense that you're calm and they are not concerned. Um, we didn't panic. We were actually quite calm. We uh, fortunately it was we still had daylight and we could plan what we wanted to do to, to just keep us safe. Uh, we lashed the mast onto the the boom, or the the mast that was smashing against the boat. We lashed it onto the boat so it doesn't didn't keep smashing on the boat. Uh, the spreaders can bash a hole in the hull. The
0: spreaders, I should explain. There, the um, the bits that stick out. Uh Sort of uh, horizontal on the mast, don't they? they? They hold the cables out away from the mast, don't
2: they? Yes. As as the mast was bashing against the hull, there was the danger that the spreaders could make a hole in the hull and then the boat can sink very fast. So we lashed the mast onto the boat so to prevent it from smashing onto the boat. We sent the kids down. Um, they were pretty calm at that stage. Later, they told me... Peter told me this is the worst day of my life, Mom, and when I asked him why, he said, because we lost our mast. <laughs> but um in the big picture we were lucky. It happened close enough to land, it happened during the daylight hours so we had we could see what we were doing. Um none of us got injured mm. and uh, it's it's working out okay. <laughs>
0: So okay um Emil your mum just said then that uh, this isn't the worst weather you've been in what's the uh, can you think about the worst situation that you've been in on the on the boat
3: I think we once we went to America to Canada I think we had some um Friends on board to help us out, you know. That's I think was the worst weather we ever been through. It
0: was actually the trip from um, the U.S. to Bermuda. That's what you're oh, about, you think. Oh, okay. Know? Try to describe the the weather if you can.
3: It's really hard to remember. It was a long, long time ago. But there was a few things I can remember. Peter, he's just sitting in the forepeak with um with his books, you know. Just no, there's
0: big rough weather, and he's just sitting there. Seems he was quite happy. Just, just see mm-hmm. Pete, you were just quite comfortable were you reading your books yeah. in, in the front of the boat.
3: Yeah.
0: What can you remember? What you were reading? No. Because I, 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 whatever it was, I want a copy of that book. <laughs> the next morning, after we were finally anchored, and and um, we had we
1: had a, we had a family meeting to discuss what had happened, and and all that, and um, what what our future plans were, and the the kids. Um, we asked them what did they think, and they, what they said was, "Man, Dad, Mom, we didn't hear you swear once." <laughs> so, so, that's, what we, that's what they said. It was because normally we swear over the smallest things, but, but this is a magic <laughs> pictures, kid, yeah, yeah, this is a magic catastrophe. Yeah, yeah.
3: Mom, when the mask broke, she just saw some like, "Oh boy, this five hundred dollars, something more than that." But when the mask broke, she just said in her mind or looked at it in her mind that this can be $5,000, something like that.
2: So
0: 50, she $50,000. So she just saw the... Uh, yeah, you see, that's your mum just being pragmatic, you know. She's, yeah. Your mum's got to think about what all these things cost, because uh, yeah. I imagine that um, replacing a, a, a new mast is not, a, not a, a cheap thing to deal with.
2: No. Losing the mast is an expensive repair that we didn't budget for. Um, I'm fortunate I'm an occupational therapist and I can do contract work so I'm going to do a 14 week contract in America that will help to replenish the kitty a bit Mm. and it will be difficult to be away from the family but this is a good thing that we need to do so we can continue our round the world cruise and then we can go on with our lives after
0: so basically what you're doing is you are running off and leaving your husband with your two kids to repair a mast and uh, uh, look after the boys over the uh, the winter period so how do you feel about that dad
1: I've got the bad end of the deal I'd say <laughs> 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 but but we all bond hey boys <laughs> we we're, were speaking earlier about our schedule when we had Anchorage or in the marina and basically in the marina right now our schedule is just work 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 repairing the mast but but um, we find, I personally prefer it when we're out at sea doing, doing long, long passages. Renan and I stand up share the watch system, obviously. And we try to get about five, six hours sleep um, every day. Um, it's between three hour and, f- and f- four hour watches. But what I like about it is, is we get into a, a, a rhythm. And uh, the rhythm would be schoolwork in the mornings. Then we do far more schoolwork. We do maybe four to five hours every morning. Of, of schoolwork, and then the kids, the kids watch a DVD or play with their toys, and Rinald and I um, sleep, cat, catch up and sleep. But personally, I prefer the, the the longer legs. I find it's far more constructive for the schoolwork. Whereas when we're in harbour, there's always boat projects, to do. there's always that that, that pressure of we're leaving in two weeks, we're going to get these projects done, and we tend to neglect the kids sometimes then.
0: And and I mean, presumably, then uh, life in the marina is that much more difficult. And you know, you console yourself by going down the bar every night. Is is that what that's for? Say it again. So it must have been someone else. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, the
1: the, the um, yeah yeah in the marina now, and we're going to be spending a long time here. Um, and there's, it's quite a nice social scene. And we've got the kids enrolled in karate classes, so they go to karate three times a week. And and get to mix with the, with the Turkish kids in there.
0: Ronelle, quite a few people listening who would like to to lead this kind of lifestyle. I mean, have you got any parting words you'd like to leave for uh, potential family liverboards?
2: I would say go for it. It's very doable. It's really, really not that difficult. I mean, kids adjust and adapt much easier than adults. And you spend a lot of quality time with your kids as well. I mean, if you live in regular society, some people hardly ever see their kids. We, sometimes we see too much of them now because we're on the boat with them all the time but it's definitely um, good for family I mm. think to, to, to start an adventure like this together mm. I would highly recommend it it's, it's really it's a lot of fun you do have to make some sacrifices and adjustments but it's very doable mm. I would recommend it it's, it's totally
1: worth it This podcast was brought to you by followtheboat.com.